Welcome back to the Happy Cabbage Podcast. We're going to be doing something a little differently today. I've been uh, very interested in this one political candidate running for office, Andrew Yang. Um, He's been on all sorts of talk shows recently from Joe Rogan to uh, Ben Shapiro and a couple other podcasts like Freakonomics. And um, there's this new idea called the, the, the Yang Gang. Um, what this really is, is uh, conservatives or Republicans, anyone on the right side of the aisle or anywhere near that area that are curious or Yang curious, as some are calling it, um, are called the Yang gang. They're conservatives that could possibly vote for Andrew Yang. Now, I don't think I'm going to vote for Andrew Yang. There is a very strong possibility that he's not going to make it in the primaries. He's, you know, he's not going to get anywhere. Um, but if he does, uh, and he can, you know, win me over with his policies today, you know what, maybe I might uh, support him. Now, if you don't know who Andrew Yang is, uh, he's a 44-year-old dude that's uh, operated and done all these different kind of companies where, you know, they're making millions of dollars a month. Um, let's see. He, in his, on his website, says, Meet Andrew. This is what it reads. I am not a career politician. I am an entrepreneur who understands the economy. It's clear to me and to many of the, of many of the nation's best creators that we need to make an unprecedented change, and we need to make it now. But the establishment isn't willing to take the necessary bold steps. As president, my first priority will be to implement universal basic income for every American adult over the age of 18, $1,000 a month, no strings attached, paid for by a new tax on the companies benefiting from automation. UBI is just the beginning. A crisis is underway. We have to work together to stop it or risk losing the heart of our country. The stakes. The stakes had never been higher. Um, very interesting. Um, but as far as I know, he, he's, I mean, he's an entrepreneur that started some freedom company that made millions and millions of dollars. And he's a very rich man now, and he seems like he's very intelligent. So today we're going to go through his policies and each and every one and just kind of decipher them. There, there are just, there's going to be ones where I really don't know what he's talking about. Uh, it might pertain to an issue that I'm not familiar with. And if it's that, I'll still read the policy, but then I'll just say, yeah, I don't know what it is, and we'll skip on to the next one. Uh, but here's the main reason why I'm not going to vote this guy be- without looking at any of his policies. He's running under the Democrat ticket. Um, and the thing is, once you get into government, you don't play the way you want to play. You play by your party. Right? It's a the good old boys kind of thing. When you are voted in as a, a Republican, you vote Republican. When you're a Democrat, you vote Democrat. Now, occasionally there's, you know, crossing of the aisles where you vote on separate bills or you just vote president and things like that. But in general, once you become a Democrat, you're just doing everything the Democrats want. Once you're a Republican, you're just going to do everything the Republicans want. That's why in most elections, people just vote party. They don't even pay attention to the name. Because on a really small scale, like city council, sure, you could vote in a Democrat, a Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, you know, whatever you want. But in in the end, when it gets to a bigger, um, like, branch of government, those people are just going to go with the rest of their party because that's how they stay in office. They don't really care about uh, what they were running on. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I think Trump has been so uh, not de- 
he's yeah, one of the reasons he's been kind of decisive or uh, divisive, I guess you could say. Um, but another reason why he has such a strong, like, loyal base of supporters is because he's he's taking care of everything he said he was going to. He's building the wall. He got rid of the death tax. Uh, he made it so that patients have the right um, to look at other medications as marijuana or things like that. Um, so there's a lot of things he said in his uh, campaign that are coming to fruition. But, you know, very rarely does that happen. The thing is that a Andrew Yang has never ran for a political office before. Uh, that was some of the appeal with Trump. Now, if Yang can pull off that same charisma that Trump has, like, an, as, as a know-it-all and he's very successful, yeah, he might be able to make it. But the thing is, no one's ever heard of this guy. Uh, so I want to talk about some of his policies and just kind of go over uh, some of the things he wants to do as president and just discuss whether it's realistic or not. So the first one is end partisan uh, gerrymandering. This one reads, uh, partisan gerrymandering has been an issue for our democracy for generations. Both parties have been guilty of drawing maps to benefit their members, lock in majorities, and protect incumbents. This practice undercuts the basis of our representative democracy. We need to get control of our democracy back in the hands of the people, and we need our politicians to reflect the will of the constituents they represent. If we don't remove the policies from the drawing of the district maps for voting purposes, we'll continue to have representative bodies that don't reflect the populations they're representing and promoting an agenda that is reflective of a smaller and smaller portion of the population. Um... Gerrymandering has led to the legislators being more worried about primary challenges for the extremes of their own party rather than applying to a broad constituency. This is in turn that this in turn has led to the increased polarization and dysfunction and more people uh, tuning out because they don't feel represented. We should do all we can to reverse the, re the redrawing voting districts on both sides. All right. Um, yeah, sure. I'm for redrawing voting districts. There's a lot of them that are really messed up. There's areas that are just so dense um, that they just they need to be separated. Because if you look at places like L.A., uh, they'll separate it into a few different sections, uh, you know, voting areas. And in that area, there's a huge amount of people that totally disagree. But because there's more one people in that area, um, they're always going to win. Now, if you were to separate into smaller and smaller uh, voting districts, then... Uh, things would be shaked up a bit, uh, be shaken up a bit. People would feel probably a little more represented. Um, so, yeah, you know what? I I'm kind of for this. He's saying uh, his guiding principles are democracy and equality. The goal is to end partisan uh, gerrymandering. So I, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it says, as president, I will promote the use of efficiency gap to measure partisan gerrymandering when evaluating and drawing district maps. Promote the use of independent redistricting uh, commissions and appoint Supreme Court justices who support the use of sociological tools such as efficiency gap to help end partisan gerrymandering. Um, yeah, I definitely don't think you should really focus too much on sociology in the Supreme Court. You need to focus on psychology. Sociology usually um, goes into the, it's the seek psychology. Essentially, sociology is the psychology of a large group. When you're in the Supreme Court, you're focused on a case. So it's the psychology of those few people there. Do not worry about 
you know, everyone else in America worry about that case. Um, so then we have the reduced packaging waste. Uh, packaging waste has hit ec epidemic proportions in this country. It's not rare to see individual oranges wrapped in plastic containers at local food stores. Plastic waste is growing but around 4% per year, while recycling rates are decreasing. All right, I'm going to stop it there. Uh, here's the issue with recycling. Recycling is a joke. All right, there are very few forms of reduce, reuse, recycle that actually work. All right, there's a reason we can't recycle plastic bags anymore because China isn't buying them. You see, when you recycle a plastic bag, it's torn up and you know put in a giant bale and it's sold to China. I mean, you can see a Walmart bag from America sold in China at another store. They don't care what's on the bag; they can't read it. The main thing they're going on is they need plastic bags. They can't produce them at the mass scale America can. Well, now they can. They have too much of them, and now it's polluting their stuff. So they're not going to buy them anymore. So you can't recycle plastic bags anymore. It's the same with other products that used to be used to be able to recycle, but now you can't. It all depends on if you can make money off of it. There's a few items that you know you can. Aluminum cans, yeah, you can recycle them, crunch them down, uh, melt them, and turn them into other aluminum cans, I'm sure, or into other products. You can do that with aluminum can. It's pretty reusable. But with a lot of other kind of plastics, you can't. So it's not a matter of, well, waste is growing and we need to recycle more. It doesn't matter. Waste will go up no matter what. You're, you're adding more people to the world population. Even the American population is growing, even though we're in a deficit right now. It's still growing. And yeah, I don't think we should be wrapping individual oranges in plastic. You know, I think we should be putting everything in, like, paper bags. You know, I'd rather chop down trees, which is something that's truly renewable, versus just using plastic all the time. But this notion that just taking things and we have to recycle it and make the world a better place is a bunch of crap. You really can't recycle it. If you really want to recycle something, um, you reduce and you reuse. The biggest way to save the environment, if you're really concerned with that, is not buying more Patagonia or, you know, the North Face or whatever, these kind of special brands that are good for the environment. The best way to help the environment is to not buy anything whatsoever. Stop buying stuff. If you stop buying it, that plastic is not on the street. It's just sitting in a warehouse or they don't make it because not enough people are demanding it. That's how you reduce. Reuse is the whole hand-me-down thing. You know, I, I, have, I have a calculator that my brother used in the 90s when he was in school. It's an old Casio thing. Pop it a new battery. The thing still works. I had to buy a, a stupid I, uh, TI-84 plus CE calculator. It's a hundred and something bucks for my stats class. But outside of that, that thing's expensive enough and it works just fine. It's got a rechargeable battery. Uh, that thing's... I'm going to give that to my kids someday to use. That's what it means to reuse... You know, if you got glass jars, just keep using glass jars. Stop buying the, the plastic stuff or the wax-coated paper or, you know, all these other products that just fill landfills if you're concerned about that. I'm not concerned about landfills because it becomes a landfill. Then they push it all down, dump a bunch of uh, agents and uh, acid on it that uh, eat up everything in there. Then they build something on top of it, which... You know, which is a lot. What a lot of countries are doing right now, especially smaller ones, they're dumping trash, dirt, rock, sand, everything, um, off the sides of their coasts. They make their land mass bigger. Yeah, you just 
you know, shield it off so that crap doesn't usually spill out, but that stuff usually turns into good things in the soil. A lot of it's, if it's biodegradable or paper, things like that. Plastic usually doesn't do much. It sits there forever. Um, but, and then you got recycle. So the few things you can't reuse, the few things that you have to keep getting, you can't like really reduce the amount of time that you're getting it or what you're using it for, then you just recycle it. But we can't recycle everything in our lives. The more and more we sit around trying to recycle everything we have, it, it, it bogs up the system. You know, if you offer everyone, um, you know, like $1 a day or something to go get a soda, and only a few people are doing it, oh, they, man, that, that's fine. That's great. But then when everyone in the city tries to come to you and get a dollar, well, there's going to be people that it's going to be the next day by the time they try and get their dollar for the day before. Because there's so many people it's bogging down the system. They can't get everything in and out at the right time. And then stores get bogged down because, well, they're, they're not, they don't have enough products for all those people just buying sodas all the time. I know that's a horrible analogy, but that, you know, in a sense, that's kind of what it is. You're taking all this, you know, plastic, if you will. You're just taking all this plastic and you're trying to give it to all these recycling plants, but there's not enough places that are actually willing to buy that plastic from you. So they're just like, whoa, whoa stop it! You know, stop giving us plastic. We have too much of it, and they can only siphon off, you know, a couple hundred pounds of it every day which really isn't much considering, you know, we make a couple metric tons of it every single day. So it, it's just not a good ratio. It's like five to one, the amount they can get out. They're given five, they can only put one out. So it, it's a horrible um, amount of time and processing and money that goes into this. You know, it's not free to recycle things. So there's a big issue there. You, you just can't, you just, you can't deal with it. All right, but the back, back with Andrew Yang here, the reduced packaging waste, sure. Um, I am all for not, uh, you know, packaging stuff with plastic all the time. It continues to say, we use, uh, we used to ship excess plastic to China, which itself isn't a great solution, but they've recently banned the importing of plastic waste. This is resulting in overflow landfills and shipment of waste plastic to countries that aren't equipped to deal with it. So they respond mostly by dumping it into the ocean or other waterways. We need to pass National Extended Procedure Responsibility Bill or find a way to shift the cost of disposing materials onto the manufacturers. If they pass the cost to the consumers, each of us can make an informed decision about whether we really want to pay for the amount of packaging that produces more uh, producers are currently using for their goods. Okay, cool. So his, his thing already went into the whole China issue. Um, but, th but there there's... There's the root of the old evil. Um, is you have all this plastic. I, I apologize if you can hear the wind outside. Here in Davenport is uh, really windy. Uh, that whatever Arctic mist breeze thing that's going through the Midwest is uh, pretty brutal. It's like 30 degrees this morning. And it's in the middle of April. Uh, but the, getting back to this, um, when I lived in Canada, there was a five cents tax on plastic bags, which no one liked. And this wasn't a matter of, you know, um, well, you can get a paper, you know, if you want. It was any bag, like literally anything you took, you, you had to pay. So you had to bring all your own stuff to Walmart or there's a five cent tax for every bag you use. Which is one of those things where uh, you're not paying attention, you completely forget about it. And you look over and the cashier's already put like three bags on everything you have and then rings you up, you know, uh, 15 cents with you know, 10 gallons of metal. I mean, you're looking at a couple extra bucks on your spending bill that you were not anticipating. 
and it just goes out of control there. Now, I would be for a like five cent tax or something on plastic bags if you got that versus just the the paper bags. So eventually, people are just going to stop using plastic bags because, well, they don't want to pay for the extra five cents. And those who do pay the extra five cents, uh, it's going back to the government. So there's that idea. We might skip a couple of these um, just because it just seems uh, worthless. So we have the Public Council of Advisors. Uh, this is here in America. We have the access to world-class experts, artists, thinkers, and essentially every subject and discipline. These individuals push forward human thought and public disclosure, but their reach is often limited to academic uh, articles, short clips on TV news, cultural references, and books that may not uh, that many may not read. Um, additionally, the president has the ability to rely on these experts, leaders, and thinkers uh, for guidance and feedback at essential um, times. Their opinions could also help shape public opinion and feedback. America is still um, at its best when an informed citizenry and diverse viewpoint is engaged in a national conversation about the best direction forward. Based on shared facts and mutual respect, the conversation must start from the top. Each president should form a public council of advisors featuring experts, artists, thinkers across a wide area of subjects and featuring views from all sides of the political spectrum. These experts would answer questions directed to them by the president as well um, as on top topics that they deem to be of public importance. All opinions would be released publicly and many, any meeting between the president and the council would be broadcast live. Yeah, sure. You know what? I am I'm all for that. I, I completely agree. Here here's my issue with it. Like I was saying before, people go for their party. So what it says here, um, and thinkers across a wide area of subjects and featuring views from all spec um, all sides of the political spectrum. That's not gonna happen. I'll tell you right now, that's not gonna happen. No one's gonna sit down and actually try and get a conservative, a liberal um, a fascist, a socialist, an anarchist, a capitalist anarchist. No one's going to get all these different political spectrums to sit down at a table and try and agree on something because it's not going to happen. But in general, I'm all for this public council of advisors. Let's see. The penny makes no sense. I already know what that is. Uh, clicking on it. Um, for a long time, people have been toying with the idea of getting rid of the penny. Now, what happens is, is that the penny is, like, basically useless. You can't buy anything with a penny. The penny doesn't really do much. Uh, millions of organizations, businesses, you know, what have you, have agreed with the government. I think it was in the 70s or 80s to actually get rid of the penny and uh, just round everything up five cents or down five cents. And it would uh, substitute a lot of costs. There's there's a huge uh, amount of people that actually collect pennies um, predating, like, 87, I think. Because they actually have enough copper in them that you can save them all up. And if you drop an old penny, a new penny, you can see here the copper one actually hits a glass bowl heavier than the newer ones. that just have like a fraction of copper in the center of it. The rest of it's just like tin or something. But yeah, th those people have thousands of dollars worth of those pennies. Even though it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, it's worth thousands because of all the copper they have in the bowl. But legally, they can't melt it down because you can't deface money because it is a federal offense. So these people just collect money. So yeah, get rid of the penny. Uh, Canada got rid of the penny a while ago. You can still get them, still find them. You can still use them. They have to accept it. It's, you know, it's it's actual change. Um, but yeah, after a while, they just don't 
re-enter circulation eventually just start pulling them all out uh when they have it make election day a holiday sure make it so everyone doesn't have to go to work no school no nothing making everyone able to go and vote totally for that all right empowering mma fighters this is uh interesting in the 90s it became clear that boxing had a problem their largely unregulated sport featured regular exploitation of boxers, as well as scandals involving rigged matches and rankings. Congress stepped in past the Alley Act in order to combat the worst of these problems. Today, MMA fighters are largely in the same place as boxers were decades ago. The sport has quickly gained national prominence, but many of the problems that plagued the, the pre-Alley Act boxing industry have repeated themselves in mixed martial arts. In addition, MMA fighters are treated as independent contractors even though their behavior and attire are tightly controlled. And uh, many attempt to unionize, and any attempt to unionize, has been met with retaliation and firing because of the lack of strong private sector organization to establish uniform and appropriate business practices and ethical standards, it's necessary for Congress to step in and to ensure that fighters are protected from exploited, oh gosh, exploitative uh, situations while also ensuring that fights and rankings are fair. Also, fighters should be empowered to organize an association or union and should be treated as athletes and employees instead of independent contractors. Um, sure, why not? Very rarely am I really for uh, unionizing anything. But yeah, if they're having that kind of issues in the MMA, which I think Joe Rogan has talked about on his podcast before, sure, you know what, ha have a little union to protect you guys if you're, you're running into those issues. All right, next topic is the 18-year term limit for the Supreme Court justices and seconded, yeah. While, in my view, I'd rather have conservative Supreme Court justices, um, people like uh, RBG or, what you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she she's dead, all right? She's basically dead right now. No one's seen her. The last picture they released of her was from a year and a half ago. It's not even current. She isn't, no one knows where she's at. So I, I think she's dead, honestly. Um, so she just had this issue of Supreme Court justices that get on and they never leave. I think there should be an 18-year term limit, and that's it. Uh, you know, if you if you go through all the work again, sure, why not be elected again? But in general, yeah, 18-year term limit, all for it. Um, revive the Office of Technology Assessment. I'm not familiar with this. Um, quite frankly, the level of technological understanding by some members of our government is embarrassing. Seconded. Anyone who watched Congress uh, question Mark Zuckerberg is well aware of this, and it makes it unreasonable to expect proper regulation of major tech companies or regulation that addresses the large uh, technological issue that, will, that we'll continue to face in areas such as AI and cybersecurity. It's also impossible to imagine that Congress can provide full oversight over the, the executive branch whose Office of Science and Technology Policy staffed extensively um, providing guidance information on important technological blah blah blah. Yep. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Make a uh, revive the office of technological assessment. I I can I can get behind that. Lower the voting age sixteen. And nope. Right there. Not happening. You are not going to lower the voting age to sixteen. Here's what I'll say. 
you can go die for our military at 18. You can buy a gun when you're 18. You can buy cigarettes when you're 18. But why is it you can't drink until you're 21? It's because you're not responsible enough. That's just what it is. People look at you, society, the government, that you are not responsible enough to drink alcohol and make decisions to drink that stuff until you're 21. There's science to back up the fact that our brains aren't developed fully until we're 25. So when you're 16, you can drive a car. You can't join the military. You can't have a cigarette. You can't have a drink. You just barely got your license. Why would anyone, why on earth, would I rather have a 16-year-old voting for me when they're going through hormonal changes in their body at one of the most extreme points in their lives to make a decision for the entire nation? Either they drop the drinking age at 18, everything across the board 18, or everything across the board is 21. You know, you can't drink, can't smoke, can't buy a gun, can't join the military, whatever, till you're eight, you're 21. Or they drop it all to 18, but 16 is too far, too far for me. There are too many young people that, um, even now, if I went back and tried to vote it with some of the things that I thought would have been good ideas, um, I was a bit of a little Hitler, a little fascist. When I was 16, I wanted everything very, very oppressed, you know, very controlled. Um, the long run isn't a real great, uh, great idea. So then we have decreased pre-trial cash bail. Here's the thing. You only have to pay 10% of your cash bail. So when someone gives you like, um, you know, a hundred bucks cash bail, you're paying 10 bucks, thousand dollars paying hundred bucks, hundred thousand dollars paying $2,000. You know, you're not really paying all that much. Yes, $10,000 is a lot, but usually those are set up for people to have money. Um, I don't think there really should be a bail. It's just if you have all the evidence to arrest someone, arrest them. That's all it should be. All right, next we have extend daylight savings all time, all year. Yep, totally for that. I am totally for doing that, getting... Getting rid of the stupid, you know, spring forward, fall back, guys. Woohoo! You know, the reason they set that up was because farmers couldn't see when it got too dark and they couldn't do things in the fall. So we would do this fall back thing so that they have a little bit more light in the morning and evening. No, but no one does it anymore. It's all automated. Not the way that Yang is saying, but just there's satellite dishes on the tractors, there's lights, there's electronics. We don't need the sun to do farming anymore. So we don't need this stupid daylight savings that just wastes people's sleep. You know, I saw a study that it was like every uh, twice a year when people when we do the daylight savings thing, that accidents, suicides, all, all things across the board spike above in general normal days of the year. It just spikes because everyone's lost an hour of sleep. Um, now you can do that gained an hour of sleep thing is cool, but it also spikes then too because usually people oversleep or they get up, they're stressed, they don't know what's going on, they woke up an hour early and that what what's going on, or they woke up an hour late and you know, both those days cause a lot of stress for people and typically all the things suicide, violence, uh, car accidents, drug overdoses, all that usually spikes on those days. So yeah, I'm all for doing that. 
Um, then we have this, the Relocate Federal Agencies. Let's check on this. Uh, federal agencies were headquartered in the D.C. area when communication technology wasn't nearly as advanced as it is today. The costs in Washington are incredibly expensive relative to other parts of the country. This has created a federal government that often feels divorced from large segments of the population. Federal agencies that aren't directly tied to general government agencies, such as the NIH, um, should be relocate, relocated to different areas throughout the country to provide a boost to local economies and tie the rest of the country to the federal government. Yep. All for it. Totally. No, in fact, I think they should move the White House to uh, Omaha. Not just because I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, but because it's, it's the center of the country. You know, that's where the president goes during 9-11. Right, went to went to our base there in Offutt. Offutt's just a fantastic base, and you know I I don't get why. Uh, we just don't put more of our very important government structures in the Midwest. All right, particularly in the Midwest, it's the safest area, farthest from nuclear blasts, farthest from attacks, farthest from everything. Uh, D.C. Are you kidding me? It's right there on the coast. Someone could just blow it all up. It wouldn't matter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all for this is, uh, relocating government agencies. Um, let's see. Democracy dollars. Don't know what that is. Uh, oh, wait, 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 do I, I know what this is. Okay. Okay. I'll read this. I saw, uh, I read an NPR thing about this. The trend over the past half century has been uh, to allow unfettered spending in elections. The, this uh, accumulated in the decision made in Citizens United allowing unlimited money to be spent by corporations in elections. It's no surprise that this has resulted in mega donors flooding the pipes of our democracy. We need to diminish the influence that mega wealthy individuals and companies have in our elections. While we must push for a con uh, constitutional amendment to allow our campaign finance laws to uh, properly limit the power that the top 1% have, we must act much faster to save our de democratic process. To do so, we must make it possible for all Americans to contribute to candidates they feel strongly about in order to drown out the voices of the few who can spend millions of dollars to influence our politicians. The easiest way to do all this is to provide Americans with publicly funded vouchers they can use to donate to politicians that they support. Every American gets $100 a year to give to candidates. Uh, use it or lose it. The democracy dollars would, uh, would be, by the sheer volume of the U.S. population, drown out the influence of mega donors. It has been used in Seattle to great effect, and we can take their program in uh, national to move towards public-funded elections. I know saying public-funded elections sounds kind of funky, but uh, everything that I've read and listened to about what they, they've done in Washington, Seattle, Washington, it has worked. So everyone gets mailed or given these $100 vouchers, and you can't trade the other people or anything like that. It's not worth anything outside the election. So basically, it's like an envelope with a little stamp in it. You, you put the stamp in the envelope, write out to which candidate you want to give it to. They mail it to that candidate. That candidate gets it, and they turn them in, and they get like this credit from the government that they can use to spend on their election. So the people that get the most of those um, end up you know, making the, getting the best uh, donors. So you have to use that. Every person gets one. So you can't keep printing them because they're different every year. There's special codes and things, so... A way you can't counterfeit it. Um, I'm not sure I'd be totally for it because the issue 
I mean, what? By the time 2020 rolls over, I think the U.S. is going to have 400 million people. I mean, how are you going to get 400 million stamps out to all those people? That's that's ludicrous. You know, that's half a billion people. And not that it's impossible, but I mean, the, the resources and money that be going into that just seems ludicrous uh, to some extent. But I'd be interested in seeing how it would work out. Uh, ranked choice voting. Uh, my brother or my sister's uh, fiance is all for this. Um, our current our current poultry voting system, where everyone selects a single preference, and then the person with the most votes wins, is viewed negatively by election scientists for several reasons. It's vulnerable, it's vulnerable to a spoiler effect where a third-party candidate can just take enough votes away from a candidate to cause them to lose, even if the candidate would be preferred to the eventual winner. It can cause uh, strategic voting, where voters don't vote for their favorite, but rather the person they like, or the person they like who is most likely to win. Especially with a party-based primary system, it leads to partisanship uh, as centrist candidates despite having wider support, lose out to candidates who appeal to the fringes of each party. There are many alternatives uh, to the voting system that are superior to our poultry. Um, Politary. Oh, gosh, I'm saying poultry, but I guess the same thing. Uh, Politary voting. Uh, On me, guys. Sorry. We should move to a ranked choice instant runoff voting system, a system that has recently been implemented in Maine and is being explored by many other localities. In ranked choice voting, each voter ranks their top three candidates from one to three. After this is complete, every voter's choice is tallied. If one candidate receives over 50% of the votes, they win the election. If no candidate hits the major threshold, the candidates with the fewest votes is eliminated. Then everyone who is listed that eliminated the candidates as their first choice has their second uh, choice considered. These second choices are voters are added to the totals for the remaining candidates. If a candidate is at the point at a point has received over 50% of votes, then they win. Otherwise, the process repeats itself until someone does receive a majority of votes. It's another one of those interesting ideas that uh, I think we could go with. You know, I'd, I'd be somewhat in favor of, but I, I just, I need to see it on a bigger scale than just, I, you know, I've never heard of it in Maine. Um, you know, so I guess it'd be scary to see that try and get done and not really know what to do with all of it. I'm sorry I'm taking a lot of drinks while I'm doing this podcast. Uh, boy, my mouth is dry, but it seems like I get a drink, my mouth becomes over. Uh, overly salivated and then it's dry again so it gets irritated while talking so moving on from that we have decriminalize opioids uh let's see we're in the midst of a crisis in this country opioids are killing eight americans every hour and that trend only increased over the past several years while those who have brought this plague on our citizens must face serious consequences we need to make sure that those are those who are affected by the illness of addiction are treated and not criminalized the individuals behind pharmaceutical companies who promoted these drugs as non-addictive while knowing better than one who put them in jail not those who fell prey to the addiction we need to do we need to decriminalize the possession and use of all small amounts of opioids. Other countries, such as Portugal, have done so and have seen uh, treatment go up and drug deaths and addiction go down. 
when caught with a small quantity of only opioids, our justice system should err on err on the side of providing treatment. Um, yes and no. If I'd be really for this, uh, I think the long run it could help, but in the short term, uh, I think what would happen is you just have a huge spike of dealings uh, until you're gonna have start having opioid dens and. You know, so kind of like pot shops, right, right when pot was legalized, everybody was a dealer. They got cracked down with, and I look, the Better Business Bureau showed up, and it's like, look, this is a business now. If you want to do this, you have a business license, you have to do all this. So people are like, ah, I don't want to do that, so I'll just go buy it. It's a lot easier. It's not, you know, sketchy or anything. So I think we'll have a lot more opioid dens than we did before. But, hey, I'm all for having opioid dens, uh, dens versus having sketchy dealings in bad neighborhoods. Um, let's see. Next we have reduce mass incarnation. Incarceration, not incarnation. Oh gosh, Caleb. Um reduce mass incarnation. <laughs> incarceration. I'm for this. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things where uh look, my personal view is just put everyone on a chain gang. Use them as labor. I know people think that is cruel, that is unusual punishment, but you know what? For crying out loud, everything's going to automation if you're following what Andrew Yang is saying. Just freaking, just put them all in the chain gang, start building roads, start doing everything they used to do in the 20th century. Build things, or move this, move that, all the kind of labor stuff that we need done, but no one's going to do it. And I say if they join this program, they do well, they complete their task, shorten their sentence. There it is. Bada bing, bada boom. That's it, right there. That's it. I think that's how you. That's how I think that's how you decrease it. You make it so people aren't in there their whole lives. You know, it's more expensive to just have someone on death row their entire life, or I have a life sentence, and it is just to kill them. And then when you kill them, why the heck don't we do shooting squads anymore? You have six people, guys blindfolded, sitting up. You give one guy a bullet. No one knows which one it is, and they go bang. So no one knows which one shot him. They just know he's dead. That way none of the gunmen feel upset because they killed the guy. But the guy's dead. You know what? That is the only execution method that has a 100% success rate. So let's do it. Let's just do it. Just shoot the guy in the head. Get it over with. Put his body over to the side. Drag it off and throw it over in the ocean. Get it over with. That's how you do it. Anyway, moving on. Opioid crisis. Um, I thought that would be covered under the decriminalized opioids um yeah it's definitely a crisis i think trump's doing something about it i don't really get what um then we have the lgbtq rights sexual orientation gender identity should be a protected class under the law nope mm -mm, nope totally wrong what you do with your your jiggly bits what you do with your jiggly bits inside of someone else's thing if you want to go pack fudge in your buddy next door that is not a protected class because you chose to have sex with someone all right, I'm not saying you, it's a choice to be gay. What I'm saying, it's a choice whether or not you choose to live the gay lifestyle. All right? You can be straight and live a gay lifestyle. Sounds dumb, right? But you can do it. If you're gay, you can be celibate or whatever. You can live a, a straight lifestyle. There's thousands if not millions of people have done that in our history as a nation so far where there's a gay guy where he's like well no i have a wife and kids because i just i never really wanted to be gay i wanted to be straight but you know i'm attracted to guys or whatever you know for those guys you know what's you know it sucks sorry you, you didn't live out your full potential um 
you know, make yourself happy or something. Not that I agree with the lifestyle or anything, but that's what it comes down to. It's a life decision. It's a life choice whether or not you go down that path and do those things. Whether you're born like that, I don't know. I don't know. That's a simple answer. I don't know. I'm not one of those people, um, so I, I don't know. But I will tell you they are not a protected class. All right? You are not some Native American, right? You weren't born into some uh, class of people that have to be blood tested to see if they're, you know, they qualify for being something they're born as. All right? No. No to LGBTQ, Q, LGBTQAA2RP plus QR2 squared plus rights. I don't hate gay people. We love the gay people here at the Happy Cabbage Podcast. Um, but this, this is just dumb. The, try and look at them as if, you know, you're a protected class. Well, what about me? Why don't I get a protected class because I have a beard? Because I have tattoos. Does that make me a protective class because I chose the lifestyle to have tattoos, have a beard, and have an undercut? Does that make me a protected class? No. My lifestyle doesn't put me in a protective class. Being born a certain way does. Alright, now we have foreign policy, first foreign policy, first principles. Um, America has undoubtedly made mistakes. We've been a positive force in the world history. Yeah. Leading to the spread of peace, prosperity, and democracy. President from presidents from JFK to Ronald Reagan maintained strong relationships with allies while sending clear and honest messages to those who work against us. The past several decades, we have engaged in conflicts that could cost us trillions of dollars and thousands of American lives. These misadventures have destabilized parts of the world and made enemies of allies and resulted in untold human suffering, both from our brave soldiers and citizens of our countries. While an unfathomable amount of money has been spent on military engagements that have accomplished little, our infrastructure has started to collapse and people are living paycheck to paycheck and falling prey to, Ill, to ills like drug abuse. We need to make sure we are strong at home if we are going to successfully project our values abroad. It's impossible to be a leader when you have no allies, so we need to rebuild our relationships with the rest of the world. Leveraging these relationships, we can more effectively deal with international issues. Working with our allies will make us stronger and more able to accomplish our goals over time. Um, yeah. Although a foreign policy isn't going to protect, you know, it's not going to fix the cultural issue that Trump really showed. Alright, this isn't a Trump lover podcast, but I'll tell you what Trump did when he had, you know, the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. Alright? He proved that a huge majority of people working for the government, which are jobs when you work for the government, are very hard to lose. And you make, typically, at least, like, 40 grand a year working for the government. You make money when you work for the federal government. Alright? That they're living paycheck to paycheck and this isn't just those lower income earners the government that they expose it exposes people that are making six figures a year and they're living paycheck to paycheck how how is it possible you're spending like 10 grand between paychecks it's an issue with our nation even my own family faces where people when their um, income increases their standard of living they they increase it they supplement it to match what they're making versus you have a good standard of living and now you have a bunch of extra money in the bank in case you need it that you can donate you can do other things with you can pay off debt you can help other people but no people keep buying more crap which goes into this whole other waste issue with recycling and this paycheck to paycheck mentality isn't going to be fixed from having a better foreign policy with other people in the country 
Then we have gun safety. Um, before I even click on this, I'm going to say I think gun safety is going to be about teaching gun safety in schools. Let's see. Uh, for many Americans, guns are a big part of our culture and identity. However, guns are a majority responsibility. Thus, we need to have common sense gun safety measures, especially considering that there are already approximately 300 million firearms in the United States. Respons responsible gun owners should continue to enjoy their rights to bear arms. Subject to licensing and education requirements will encourage the, pro the public safety. Um, I, I don't understand. Create Okay, here's the goals. Create a common sense licensing policy requiring investment in safety precautions. Prevent dangerous individuals from owning guns. Encourage innovation in gunfire personalization and safety. Enhance mental health resources available to people who help. Um, yeah. Uh, no, there does not need to be... Okay, right here it says, As president, I will promote a stringent uh, tiered licensing system for gun ownership. Think a CDL. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I... Look, it's our unalienable uh, unalienable rights. That doesn't mean the government gave us these rights to own a gun, the free speech, the protection of our lives and marriage. That came from God. It came from the higher power that created everything. That is something the government cannot take away because we made that. We made the government. But these rights come from a higher power. They can't take them away. What, what adding more of these steps to make it harder to enjoy these rights is them taking it away. That's what the issue is here. So I I am all for having shooting ranges in schools with instructors, their retired military veterans or active service duty guys or even cops coming in once a day to teach young Americans how to use firearms. There you go. Just use firearms and you're good to go. Um, all right. Let's move on. Paid family leave. Um, America lacks a mandated paid family leave and is, quite frankly, stupid. Robust family... Yeah, nice. Robust family leave plans have been shown to improve children's health and increase women's employment rates. We are only... We are one of only a handful of countries uh, to lack a federally mandated family leave policy, and others are uh, Suriname, Papua New Guinea, and a few South Pacific island nations. I, if this is supposed to be like uh, America's lack of blah, 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 women's employment, blah, 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 family kind of lack of payment, blah, blah. what is it? It doesn't explain really what it is. Embarrassing and um, considerable that in most advanced societies in the world we can't we don't account for something as basic as needing to spend time with your children um, when he or she is born okay all right so this is a maternity leave for mother and father then yeah I I think I think that's a great idea all right I'd love to see how they would actually do it because if I owned a business I sure as heck aren't going to be, if I don't have a lot of money coming to my business, I'm not going to be able to afford for this project. So if you make it federally mandated, you're making it so that it becomes even more difficult for me to run my business because the majority of my money is going to health insurance to care for this person that works part-time. You know, I'm already paying them enough money a year. I'm barely making money on my own. Most people that own a company the first five to 10 years, they don't make a penny from the company. They're in debt. They're just paying off their debts and keeping the place afloat. They're not actually really making any money. Um, paid family leave I, I am for it if you can prove to me that it works 
All right, then we're going to move on. I know today might be a little bit boring. If you don't want to keep listening, that's cool. You know what? You do your thing. I'm totally not going to judge you for it. All right, welcome back. We're going to jump right back into this. Today's going to be a bit of a longer show than what we have had before, um, but we're going to go with it and see what we can get done with it. Uh, so we just finished up paid family leave. Let's do support for the arts. Without clicking on it, I already know what it is. It's the government funding art programs, which, no, not for. The government doesn't need to be a patron to all the supporting of the arts. All right, if a college gets someone to go in and give them money to run a program, then sure, have at it. Do whatever you want with it. But my ta- I don't want my tax dollars to go back and pay for the freaking you know crucifix in a, a jar of piss. Are you kidding me? The thousands of dollars that went into that, that's, that is not appropriate, guys. So, no. X and A on that. All right. Then we're going to have the uh, control of cost of higher education. Oh, boy. What is this going to do? Um, the brief description is that the college tuition has exploded over the past several decades. For the baby boomer generation, a college student could hold down a summer job to pay a substantial portion of their tuition, if not the whole thing. Today, the student uh, that students today that student would oh okay sorry I'm reading it wrong if not the whole thing today that student would be lucky to cover the cost of their books with tuition increasing as much as 440 percent over the past quarter century too many students are being saddled with over a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt before they even start their adult lives. Here's the reason. Here is the main reason. Because you guys keep giving them money. That's it. The government keeps giving them money, right? So if I have um, a school, it's a very specialized school for podcasting, and it costs $100 um, every semester to do it. If you can't afford that, and the government steps in and says, hey, um, we're going to pay you the $100. The other person will be in debt. Okay, cool. So I'm getting money for the government. Well, now I got other students that want to come. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise my rates. So those other students that couldn't afford that did afford before, now they're just pulling, you know, $50 loans from the government. Everyone else is pulling $200 loans from the government and everything. They're banking another 50, thinking they'll never have to pay back. Um, and it just continues so on and so on. So I just keep raising my prices because the government keeps paying me more for these kids' tuitions to the point where tuition costs one year at some schools as much as I've made in the past two years working full-time. My school right now, it would take me three months completely to pay off my tuition. And that doesn't even cover the cost of books which is almost another thousand dollars and I'm just taking online classes at at Scott Community College you know it's like 35 or 4 grand you know every semester and I really don't make that a lot of money it's like you know 1400 bucks or most every month you know so I have all these grants scholarships and loans that I'm doing most of it comes from my, 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 my grants I have but in general, these other people, they're going to, like, Harvard, and they're taking out student loans in the hundreds of thousands of dollars because the government keeps paying it. They keep raising their tuition because the government keeps paying it. Just cut off funding to college. College wasn't made to be the next high school. 
That's never what it was meant to be. It was supposed to be this very protected class of education, where if you really wanted to specialize in something, you went to college to do that so you can do a profession, and you'll pay back whatever you know you had to with that job because you got it from a bank or you got it from a family friend or the school gave you a loan or however ever worked the government didn't give you money now that the government's giving people money they, they're going to keep taking money because the government never stops spending money that's the one issue the government never stops spending money you want to control the cost of higher education stop funding it this is there that's it stop funding it um pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants uh no Nope. That's it. Nope. Just nope. No. Nada. Zip. Zilch. No. Let me say in Spanish. Nope. Let me say in Canadian. Nope. Let me say it in uh, American. No. Uh, yeah. If you're an undocumented Im immigrant, which means you're an illegal alien, you came over the border illegally. Doesn't matter from what country. No, you don't have a pathway to citizenship. Get the heck out of the country. You're not supposed to be there. Right? There isn't a pathway to citizenship when I illegally go over the you know the sovereign borderline into the Navajo Nation or the Omaha tribe. I did there is no 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 no. You're screwed, dude. You're done. You're going to jail. And you're getting kicked out. So no, we're not gonna fund that. Uh Southern Border Security. Let's let's click on that. Um Border security along our southern border has has had many issues that need to be fixed to provide security for Americans and equity in our immigration system. You need to look no further than the, the stats on how many undocumented in, uh, individuals are living in the U.S. or the amount of drugs that have been apprehended along the border, suggesting a much larger amount than, than the amount that's made it, though. Many proposals would be expensive and effective and also be would also become ecological disasters. The issue has become politicized to the point where there doesn't seem to be any possible comp uh, compromise, but our leaders are focused on one single solution instead of the solution proposed by groups across the political spectrum. When searching for solutions, we need to work with border security experts, immigration advocates, and Mexican government to provide effective, secure, humane border security. Um, nope. It just build a wall. That's it. Build a wall and tell everyone to go away. That's it. Campaign finance reform. I think we already went over that. In the wake of Citizens United ruling, money has floored our political system like never before. A handful of wealthy individuals can now in, uh, influence policies or more than millions of ordinary Americans. This has led to both increasing distance between policymakers and citizens as well as dis, um, enchanted with politics among more and more people it has also led to policies that increase the record wealth and income inequality in our country which is an extreme as has ever been in our history yeah no man just no lobbyists all right here's how you fix that you outlaw lobbyists you don't have any more lobbyists you're not gonna have any more of these campaign crap um Fight for equal pay. All right, there already, there already is equal pay. It's called the minimum wage. All right, if I go to McDonald's and I work three hours and they get paid five bucks an hour, I end the day with $15. If a chick comes in and does the same thing, she walks away with $15. Now, when you're making salaries and the careers you're going into, 
That is a matter of personal choice, your lifestyle, and your experience, and how good you are with negotiation. If it's a job or you're a lawyer and you need to negotiate your salary, you better be one good lawyer. You better be good at negotiating everything about your life. If you can't negotiate a good salary, you might not be a good lawyer, but they'll probably still hire you, but for a lot lower because you didn't negotiate a good pay, which is probably one of the reasons why a lot of females don't have the greatest pay. But it also depends on what fields they go into. More men go into math, science, and uh, very heavy labor uh, career fields because they pay a lot of money, and they do it. And it's hard work. Not that women don't do hard work, but they go into different career fields that don't pay as much as being a nurse or just being an average middle school teacher. It pays more being a professor, but a majority of professors are males. It's not about sexism or something. It's just about, well, life personal decisions then we have promote vocational education totally with this I stand by Mike Rowe um, with vocational schools this is tech schools for you unsavvy English speakers out there uh, these are schools where you learn welding plumbing um, becoming a truck driver all those kind of things I think that should be more stressed than college itself because an education like that it's gonna be worthless y your little Four-year degree in social justice won't mean diddly squat in three years as soon as you get a president or the political spectrum changes to a more conservative thing or as things go way farther left than what you got. Your your degree means nothing. Just get a degree in psychology if you want to get a degree in something, you know, theoretical like that. Get one in theoretical physics. You can get a job with that. Become a lawyer. You know, do something meaningful with your degree, not some dumb idea project that okay cool you have a bachelor's that's going to get you in the final round of a draft pick for some dumb middle management job and it's not going to get you anywhere it doesn't give you experience and knowledge of a certain career field like being a manager what it's going to do is you might get a job somewhere else where they help teach more people to become more like you so they can get more jobs to teach them about teaching other people about how to become more like you and you just become a bunch of NP NPC clones uh, carbon free uh, dividend uh, no, just, uh, gosh, uh, the cost of burning fossil fuels is paid by all of us. The benefits are disproportionately gained by industry. There are very little incentives to control the rate at which fossil fuels are burned or CO2 released into the atmosphere. Bunch of crap. Look, America is the front of the line when it comes to stopping CO2 emissions and everything like that. But who cares? All right. It's not going to do anything against you. Right, it's, just, it's just not. Stop believing the hype. You're not going to die from it. Just let it go. Um, increase teacher salaries. No. No. Uh, if a teacher... Teachers need to be... Well, look, the education system needs to be... Um, what's the word? Uh, privatized. It needs to be vouchers. So more students that come to your school, the more money you're going to get. So this is how a voucher works. Every kid gets, like, say, $25,000 a year. That and they can take it to any school they want. Whatever school they take it to, that money goes into a, a you know a big pool of money that's spent on all the kids. So the more kids you can, you know, incentivize, incentivize, incentivize to come to your school, the more money you're going to make, and the better the school will become. And the more money you make, the more you can pay your teachers. So you're gonna have better teachers because they're paying more. So you can have people um, jockeying for that position. If you suck as a teacher, you shouldn't make as much money. It should, I mean, it shouldn't even be a federal job. It should, it should just be across the board privatized. Um, early education for all. Um, 
Let's check it out. Education starts too late. There have been massive benefits shown to offering pre-kindergarten option to children through their lives, especially for those from low-income families. It also increases sociability, and it reveals the financial burden of finding daycare for families who struggle to afford it. Uh, yeah, I don't want it to be government-funded. I want it to be like a church or a social group or something where um, you know, parents don't pay for it. But they'll they'll get a dispensation or something, you know, a little uh, allowance from the government if you're a special organization that signs up for that. I don't want a government agency in general doing this. Um, but if if it's just this, where you give money to the groups and schools and things like that to do this program, yeah, sure, all for it. Uh, I mean, it costs like twenty thousand dollars. The last time I heard it, uh, a buddy of mine tell me was that it costs almost twenty thousand dollars a year to have his. Uh, like three-year-old doing daycare which is crazy expensive um legalized marijuana yep 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 all right cool make puerto rico a state ah gosh this one becomes tricky uh because well i think puerto rico deserves the right to be a state the economical disaster that would occur from this would be so catastrophic that our economy would collapse. Okay, maybe collapse a little too much. Look, right now, um, like Illinois, if you were to split it into like three sections, top, mid, south, you know, north Illinois, uh, central Illinois, and southern Illinois, northern, which would be basically just Chicago, uh, would be like the poorest state ever. So, so much money would be pouring into that, like crazy amounts. Puerto Rico, if they were to become a state, would be the single poorest welfare-ridden state in the country. I, well, I, I do. I do think they should be a state. But the problem is, that holds me back from ever doing anything to try and help them become a state, is that they would take up so much money and resources to become a state that any other of this guy's programs would not happen. It, it just wouldn't. It would take so much money to make Puerto Rico a state, but I want it to become a state. Value-added tax. The a VAT is currently used by 160 out of 193 developed countries because it is more efficient of generating revenue with no loopholes. Big companies and rich people are excellent at moving things around to avoid taxes. Amazon, Google, and other companies funnel hundreds of billions in earnings overseas. A VAT makes it impossible for them to benefit from the American people infrastructure without paying their fair share. Hmm. Taxing income is an increasingly ineffective and inefficient way to generate revenue over time. Taking a company like Amazon, um, it can do tens of billions in business and pay no income tax in a given uh, period while storing its income overseas. A value-added tax is a much more efficient way to capture the true value of the American infrastructure. It will increasingly in uh, will increasingly necessary will be increasingly necessary over time as more and more work is done by software, robots, artificial intelligence. With a VAT of half the European level, we can pay for universal basic income for all Americans and adults of $1,000 a month. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, they're making billions of dollars 
um, and they're not paying any, you know, income tax. While I'm sitting over here, well, you know, I'll make a hundred, a nine hundred dollar paycheck, which is really good for me. And then, <laughs> you know, they walk away, taking like two hundred bucks out of my check for all these different things, and a big chunk of that's the income tax. Well, why? Why? Why am I getting this huge amount of money taken out of my paycheck? I work for it. You get Jeff Bezos over here making a billion dollars a year doing what? You know, I'm not saying he didn't earn his money, but, uh, geez, dude. It, that's just, that's crazy. Um, next one is hold pharmaceutical companies accountable. Interested in that. Pharmaceutical companies have, without a doubt, improved the quality of life for Americans. However, certain companies have used the goal the goodwill developed through the industry's advances in medicine to abuse the trust of the American public. This despite the fact that many pharmaceutical developers have come from privately funded research and that was then adopted by the industry. Nowhere is there the, this no no nowhere is this most important than the recent opioid epidemic. Uh, Purdue Pharma has made more than $35 billion in revenue since releasing OxyContin in 1995. The fine of $635 million for false advertising around the claims of non-addictiveness and tamper-proving is barely a slap on the wrist. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Here's what people really need to look at. America is the only country where drugs are advertised on the radio and on TV. Just stop it. Stop advertising pharmaceuticals on TV. Stop paying doctors to give, you know, drugs to people. Stop doing it. And the problem goes away. I think that's how you do it. But yeah, hold pharmaceutical companies accountable for their actions, for doing that kind of stuff. Um, so we have humane-centered capitalism. What does that mean? Capitalism as an economic system has led to unparalleled innovation and improvement in the human condition. Many consider it to have won the war of ideas against socialism, but the simplest uh, view ignores that there is no such thing as pure capitalistic as a pure capitalistic system. Our current version of in, um, institutional capitalism and corporatism is a is a relatively recent development. Our current emphasis on corporate profits isn't working for the vast majority of Americans. This will only be made worse by the development of automation, technology, and AI. We need to move to a new form of capitalism, humane capitalism, that's geared toward maximizing human well-being and fulfillment. The central tense of human capitalisms are humans are more important than money. The unit of a human capitalism economy is each person, not each dollar. Markets exist to serve our common goals and values. Uh, what I think this is trying to get to is changing the GDP, right, the gross domestic product. Um, a lot of other countries actually don't even focus on the GDP, which is something the United States has only been doing not even for 100 years, like less than 40, maybe 50 at the most. Um, and it measures how well our country is doing based on um, our wealth, how money's transferred one another and our inflation, what we're selling, what we're not selling, domestically imported, all that kind of stuff, and exported. What this is saying is that our economy focused more on the standard of living of humans. That's how well we know our country is doing versus just the amount of money going through. Um, if that is what it's really going with, um, then sure. But I think there's a, a bit, a uh, little, little too vague for me to get on board with that. Invest in America's mental health. Uh, sure, yeah. American Journalism Fellows. Let's see what this is. 
Trust in media is at a record lows. The local news organizations dwindle away due to diminished ad revenue and circulation. Funding for journalists engaged in real investigative reporting is declining rapidly as even more publications no longer afford robust newsrooms or beat reporters who don't publish regularly. The information we use to make informed judgments is increasingly under threat. It's imperative that we stop this trend. We must treat journalism as the most important safeguard to democracy. Um, that it is and free up critical body of reporters from market pressures and incentives. I will in, uh, initiate the American Journalism Fellows, those which uh, those which reporters from each state nominated by a body of industry professionals and selected by a nonpartisan commission will be given four-year grant of $400,000, $100,000 per year, and stationed at a local news organization with the condition that they report on issues relevant to the district during the period of their fellows of their fellowship. Uh, this way, we'll have hundreds of journalists in each state working on important news stories and will support local news organizations. Hmm. You, I think it'd be interesting, uh, but I can see it being corrupted way, way too easily. Government's paying you $400,000, a six-figure salary a year, and you don't necessarily have to actually produce anything. There's no, no incentive to work. Just getting money. Um, not that it would be difficult to get to that point, but I could definitely see where it would become an issue. People not wanting to actually work. Um, so I, I don't know. A little fifty-fifty on that. News information. Um, Ombudsman. What, what the heck is that? Uh, fake news is a rampant problem. Online media market incentives reward clickbait and controversy, even as our social media f uh, feeds send us more and more outrageous stories to entice a reaction. The rewards for publishing inflammatory content are high with no real penalty. At the extreme end, those who wish to misinform the American public can do so with little fear of repercussions. The lack of trust in news organizations and is increasingly isolates us in information silos that hurt our democracy. Um, provide resources to ensure that deliberate misinformation... Okay, so it's just saying that once I have a policy where... Um, you know, if you're saying something stupid that's totally not true and you're trying to mess with a bunch of people's minds, like propaganda-wise, then they shut you down. Um, again, I think that'd be a good idea if you could actually implement it. Is it going to be implemented? Probably not. Um, if this guy were elected and he wasn't just voting Democrat and everything. If he were elected, the problem he's going to run into is that you're going to have all these people saying, well, this is fake news, and they're going to try and shut it down. It's going to be something bad about the government. It's going to be something conservative. Or it'll be something liberal. Whoever's in charge will use that against them to knock out everyone in the competition. Um, reduce harm to children caused by smartphones. Let's see. Somewhere between 2.1 and 2.5 billion humans currently own a smartphone. Uh, while early models were released as early as 1992, the first iPhone, a... A good line in the sand for widespread adoption of technology was released in 2007. In a little over a decade, these machines became ubiquitous throughout the world. The USA, around 70% of adults have smartphones. What about children? Research suggests 22% of young children, 60% of tweens, and 84% of teenagers currently use a smartphone. While these devices provide an unparalleled access to information, their impact on the mind is barely understood. Researchers are judging our, our researcher. Researchers are just beginning to look at the impact focusing on a screen um, on a screen all day on, has on a human development, and the conclusions are devastating. Uh, 
There have been unprecedented surges in depression, anxiety, and suicide, and a marked decrease in social ability. Teenagers are spending more time worrying about whether their online acquaintances like their recent post than they are in person with their friends, hanging out, and developing social skills. The average teenager spends Friday nights at home, interacting with a machine instead of out with friends at a game or event. Those who have worked with the industry describe the work they've done in stark terms, often relating apps to slot machines. They say the smartest minds of a generation are spending their time getting teenagers to click on ads and obsess over social media posts to see how many acquaintances respond to or react to their posts. In short, many experts are worrying that the widespread adoption of poorly understood technology has destroyed the psyches of a generation. Yep, totally can agree. Totally. Yep. Sold me on that point. Um, there, there are too many kids. Right now, I have a friend, uh, Gwen. She's a manager at, at, at a thrift store I used to work at. And she gave her five-year-old son an iPhone 7, brand new. And he sold it for a dollar. And when he has the phone, um, his his uh, bio dad will use it once in a while and just contacts a bunch of crack dealers. So then his son gets calls from crack dealers and things. All right, this this is not, not appropriate. Th- this kid can, first off, look up dumb stuff constantly. And that's all he does. He wants to play on the iPhone. Wants to play on the game. Wants to play on the tablet. Wants to watch a movie. Right? If you're watching a movie, anything other than a, like a couch on in in a theater or in your living room, you're kind of destroying the whole like, you know, beauty of watching a movie. Because then you're just doing it to kill time. You're not really doing it to actually engage with people or do something enjoyable with your life. So yeah, totally. Uh, whatever you want to do to stop kids from having smartphones. I'm for it. Yeah, I don't think children should have smartphones to like they can drive and they can. You have to show ID when you uh, become 16 and have a smartphone. Before that, I think, uh, yeah, you know, you can have a dumb phone, flip phone, whatever. Just shouldn't really have access to the internet. Um, every cop gets a camera. Sure, if you can find a way to pay for cameras for every single cop, then sure, do it. If you want, to, and you also have to figure out the server centers. You'd have to store all that information, which is a crazy amount. But yeah, sure, I'm all for cops having that. NCAA should pay athletes. I think, yeah, at a certain point, um, because there's all these cases where these athletes are like not making any money from it, and they could be making millions of dollars from a revenue. Not even getting a paycheck, just getting a revenue um, from like royalties. You know, right now there's a guy that's been suing the NCAA for years because they keep releasing video games. And his character, it's him. Same face, same jersey. The numbers, like, look the same, but the school he's at doesn't exist. Or his name is changed, or, you know, whatever it is. He doesn't have a retired number, so they can keep reusing the number, just put a different name on it. But it's his likenessness. His, it's him, it's his likeliness, and it's his stats for basketball. But he doesn't get a revenue. He didn't get anything when they put his face on the NCAA uh, basketball video game. He didn't get anything, but there's his face. There's his likeliness, and he can't sue. He can't do anything. I think that's wrong. I think um, once you have completed college, if a company is still making revenue and you're no longer in the school, you should be making money from that, from royalties at that point. Nuclear launch decisions. Let's look at that. A decision to lock... A uh, decision to launch a nuclear attack is too serious for a single person to make. The vice president should need to verify any such decision made by the president. Um, I don't know. Never been around when they launched a nuclear weapon to attack anybody, so I can't say. Uh, I would say, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big decision. 
problem will be, what you're going to have is you're going to have Russia. You're going to have China. You have all these other countries around the world. It's huge, huge country. You have all these other people. They're going to launch nukes. They're not. They're not conferring with anybody else. They're just launching it. All right. They, their subcommittee can you know suck my butt's left tit. They don't care. They're going to launch it. And they're going to blow you up. Now, while they're up in the air flying down the DC, you have to sit down and argue with your freaking VP to decide if you're going to even launch a counter strike to it. So in general, nah. Well, it's a nice idea. I, I just don't think it's uh, it's going to work. Limit bureaucracy and federal workforce. Mm, let's see what that's about. Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon combined employ about 750,000 individuals. The federal workforce made up of 2.3 million individuals. That's too many. Federal workers are smart, dedicated, and hardworking, but they should be a protected class of worker. What? Well, they shouldn't be a protected class of worker. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Technology is advancing to the point where we should be able to get more done with fewer people, and studies show that fewer federal employees leave their job than their private uh, counterparts and enjoy much higher pension benefits. At the same time, the federal workforce is aging and struggling to recruit and retain younger workers. If the top four tech companies can do so much as they do with a fewer than one million workers, the federal government can find a way to do more with less. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, well, hello. Sorry, my dog just walked in my room. Um, local journalism fund. Eh, I don't want the government funding journalism. It becomes like the BBC or the CBC in Canada. Provide basic banking services through the post office. Yeah, I mean, the, the post office used to do this in the past. This is, this, yeah, totally, go for it. Reopen the banking system for the post office. Have a savings account, checking account. Super basic, just do it. Full on. American exchange program, what is this? Americans are becoming more and more socially isolated. The divide between urban and rural American is much wider than it used to be. It's a larger deterrent for one's partisan learning, uh, leanings than almost any other metric. America is sorting itself into district groups and losing empathy for fellow Americans. In order to maintain a shared sense of America, we need to end this trend. Our differences are, and our debates have made us great, but we are currently too able to avoid those decisions by surrounding ourselves with only those who agree with our viewpoint. The more our bubbles reflect only our views, the easier it is to view the Americans as enemies instead of our friends with whom we disagree. It's imperative that we stop this trend. One way to do so is ensure that all Americans have opportunity during their public education to visit areas of America they otherwise wouldn't and, en wouldn't and engage with fellow citizens they might not otherwise meet. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be a very interesting thing to do uh, with people in the workforce. So, yeah, I'm for it. Um, prevent corruption among federal regulators. Uh, this better be ending the stupid lobby system. The office of the president is admired throughout American society. However, the respect has been capitalized by recent presidents for personal gain. And he's talking about Trump. Six-digit um, speaking fees and lucrative... Oh, no, he's talking about Clinton. And lucrative board uh, positions fuel the percentage that the president may get so... Uh, may go soft on people so he or she could receive fees from after leaving office. In order to combat this, we should raise the president's salary from the current $400,000 million. However, anyone who served in the Oval Office would be barred from accepting speaking fees related to board positions for personal gain after leaving office. Okay. And it's not just the president. 
any number of people working at a regulatory agency know that they have lucrative job offers waiting for them within the industry they're currently regulating. They have any economic incentive not to burn any bridge in their current position before moving their industry. They're supposed to be, pol supposed to be policing on behalf of the rest of us. Cabinet members and heads of regulatory agencies should have their salaries increased from 275000 to $1 million and be barred from accepting any speaking fees or industry employment for 10 years post-service. Gosh, that is a lot of... You're increasing someone's salary to... to, to three, ah, almost by like... 500%. So, like, let's just round down to 400,000, you know, 400%. You know, because it's 255K. You know, so, you know, like 400%, you're getting to a million dollars a year. Some of these people don't do anything. Some of them, you never even hear about them in the news. They just sit in a meeting and leave and write up a, a memo that a president signs off of. That's it. A million dollars a year? Gosh. Just end, end lobbyists. Make it illegal for people to do this. That's it. They don't need to increase their pay. Just get it out of there. Gosh, that's so much money. All right. Closely monitor mental health of White House staff. Uh, okay. Work in the White House, um, by all accounts, is a stressful job and can exacerbate existing medical, mental health issues or trigger latent ones. While mental health can be improved and those who suffer from issues are often productive members of society, staying well requires consistent work. Additionally, the information that flows through the White House and the work done there is of the utmost importance. Um, look, there's already... Okay, the White House staff excludes the president. So, yeah, sure. Uh, we could sit down and see if their mental health is up the snuff to be doing the jobs they're doing. Here's the issue that's going to come. You're going to have someone that wants to get that person out of the job, and they're just going to declare them as, you know, mentally insane. And then, bam, they're out of the work, and they never find another job because they're mentally insane in the White House. So you just screwed up that person's life, and you get them out of office because you didn't like them. That's what's going to happen. So I'm going to say no to this. Um, Let's see. Free marriage counseling for all. How would you do it, though? How would you pay for it? Children raised in two-parent households have better outcomes across almost every dimension. Yeah, totally agree. It's it's true. Studies also show that being in a happy marriage contributes to longevity and life satisfaction. However, there is a currently very little support out there for people who are looking for assistance in managing their material relationship. Because of the huge societal good from keeping married couples who want to stay together in their relationship, marriage counseling for interest, uh, interested couples should be uh, free or heavily subsidized by the government. Um, I mean, if the government wants to do something to help stop divorces, and especially the Democrat Party would be willing to do that, then sure. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather my tax dollars, they're going to be taken anyways, go to help stop divorces and have marriage counseling than fund whether or not pygmies in Africa have a certain color of hair. You know, God bless the pygmies down in Africa, but just saying. Um, but look, churches already do this stuff for free. You know, just go to a minister and they'll, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not, they'll they'll talk to you. And, uh, you know, so it just becomes this, why, why even do that? I mean, I think you should incentivize people to just go to a church and have them talk to them versus 
have the government talk to them, because I'm not quite confident in what the government's going to say to people. All right, then we have uh, prosperity grants. Oh, wait, no, I skipped one. Automatically sunset old laws. So Congress is set up to pass laws. They're not set up to remove old laws. Because of this, the U.S. Code has become a bloated mess that only benefits those looking to exploit loopholes and avoid responsibility by pointing out a letter of the law. While it's important to take the time to revise the USC, we should also proactively stop it from becoming a mess again in the future. All laws passed should have their their success metrics in business. We call this a key performance indicator or KPI, defined and included. There should be also there should also be a sunset period defined, a time during which, barring congressional action, the law will be removed from the books. After the defined period, a congressional committee could hear testimony about how the law has met its KPI and if it's still relevant and has achieved its goal, and can decide to reenact it. Uh, for another period of time if it is no longer relevant or if it has failed to achieve its defined goals it should cease to be law yeah sure um, all for that there's dumb laws that are out there don't need to be there take them away uh, prosperity grants what is this in order to foster investment in the community the federal government should give each working age American $100 per year to donate to a 501c3 nonprofit this would funnel approximately $20 billion to local nonprofits, and it can easily be paid for by reducing the tax credit for itemized donations to a maximum of 22% of the floor of $500 for itemized deductions. Um, yeah, I mean, I get, uh, look, cause you begin, gosh, it's uh, $12,100 a year to be giving to every American that's 18 years old, a working age American, so I guess it's $16. Um, but how would you work it out to where they could only be donated to a 501c3? You know, hopefully they can. I mean, if not, you just have money sitting around, which I guess is the goal. The goal is not to have actually people actually spend it, but just have the idea that it's there. Um, I don't know. It becomes kind of convoluted. I don't know if I'm making a thousand dollars a month, just you know, doing that. It'd be great if you could just throw that money in and uh. I don't know, not worry about it, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of perplexed about this situation. I don't know. I don't know what the end would become for this. Like, would the government eventually become more strict on what companies are non-for-profits? And then you'd start having a bunch of crazy companies that are non-for-profits, and you'd have all their employees give their money to that company, and then, you know, whatever, there's an award they get. It just seems like there's so many different avenues that this could go down and totally screw up the whole system. So let's move on to the next one because I don't have an answer to that one. Prevent airlines from removing customers. Huh, interesting. Airlines have been overbooking their flights and then forcibly removing paying customers with an issue when an issue arises. The FAA, the FAA should prevent this activity and force airlines to continue to offer a larger amount of money until someone takes up uh, on the offer and removes themselves from the flight. No one should be physically removed because the airline wants to take wants to make more money. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all, I'm all for it. I've seen people get taken off flights. It ain't pretty. So, yeah, have that done. Uh, improve the American scorecard. Let's see. Traditionally, the economy has been measured by the GDP or the stock market. So this is something I addressed earlier. Employment um, rates and household income are also used to measure how the average worker is doing. However, even the creator of the GP, GDP admits that doesn't 
uh, really reflect the full story. In the economy, inequality rises and the fruits of society's labors accure to fewer individuals. It becomes obvious that we need to expand our definition of economic prosperity past a single number. The bottom 80% of Americans only own 8% of stocks and rising GDP uh, has virtually no relationship with each citizen's well-being. When you measure something, you implicitly set your policy goals. By forcing our measurement um, on GDP, we promoted a production over all else. It's time to start measuring economy prosperity using a wider index that measures human um, as well as monetary indicates such as, but not limited to, quality of life and health adjusted life expectancy, happiness, well-being, and mental health, underemployment, income inequality, consumer and student Debt, work and civic engagement levels, volunteerism, infant mortality, quality of infrastructure, access to education, marriage and divorce rates, substance and abuse-related deaths, national uh, optimism, and personal uh, uh, economic mobility. Yeah, sure. I already said this before, but yeah, I think we should switch off the GDP because I think that's a horrible system. Just to look at how well a nation is doing. Just look at their numbers. And... You know, not that you should get rid of the GDP in the sense of people shouldn't use it because it's very valuable information. But if you want to look at how well a country's doing, like their actual well-being as people, then yeah, I think we need to switch off the GDP and go to something else. So yeah, full support of this. Um, fun medical. Oh, let's see what this is. Increase assistance for single parents. Uh, being a single parent is a tough job on the planet. With the even with a partner. Um, and strong extent family to rely on. It's even tougher for 13.6 billion single parents out there, most of them mothers. The numbers are set up to rise sharply. Today, 40% of children born in the United States are born to unmarried mothers up to 15, up from 15% in 1980. We should be doing more to help them. Uh, the approximate 21 million children being raised single-parent households. Outside of programs such as the Federal uh, the Freedom Dividend to raise them out of poverty and support their ability to provide food and housing for their families. And the best thing we can do for the, these parents to help them f and build a support network, um, support single parents raising their children, help stronger communication bonds, um, hmm, invest in programs that provide support for single parents, okay, mandatory family maternity leave for full-time employees, okay, tax break for child care services, okay. Increased federal funding for pre-K programs, okay. The increase of responsibility sharing networks, allowing single parents to work with each other for their child care and responsibility, allowing these children to socialize with other children, okay. Investment in communal housing, specifically for single parents to be able to pool resources and caregiving, okay. Initiate a campaign to assist single mothers in a national recruitment for Drive for Big Brother, Big Sister of America, for male volunteers to spend time with children of single mothers who would like to be a positive uh, role model. Um, the waiting list for the, the boys looking for big brothers is twice as long as the waiting list for girls. Okay, yeah, you know, sure, I'm totally for this, actually. I, I was hoping, I, I was, what I was nervous about this was, that I was nervous that this was going to become just a new welfare gap, where you have these welfare, welfare queens where they just sit down and keep popping out kids and collect income checks and they take care of the kids, let them off in the wild, go doing their own thing, all while they collect their social security cards and just keep getting the welfare checks for their kids. Because um, it happens too much, and I've had to deal with it too often in my life. Um, increase fund medical technology innovation. Yeah, let's do that. Fund autism intervention. All right. An awareness of the symptoms autism has improved. We've seen an increase in the number of children diagnosed with autism. Recent numbers from the CDC put the rate 
at 1 in 59 children in the United States. Outcomes for autistic children are significantly better if they're diagnosed early and receive the care they need to develop. Uh, yeah, sure. Adequately fund early childhood intervention and treatment for autistic children. As long as it's not abortion, I'm totally for it. All right. Uh, rebuild American infrastructure. Yep, totally do. Totally do it. Uh, reduce student loan burden uh, by just like cutting it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what it does. Student loan levels have exploded relative to other forms of debt over the past decade. In particular, educational loan totals recently surpassed 1.4 trillion in the U.S. Uh, from 550 billion in 2011 and only 990 billion in 99. The average level of independence upon graduation uh, or uh, indebtedness upon graduation is up $37,172. There are 44 million student borrowers. Default rates have crept up steadily to 11.2%, and if you include delinquency rates, it's as high as 25%. This is limiting the growth of our economy and also crippling the advancements of millions of young people in, in their careers and in starting families. We need to create a clear path out of this crippling debt. But what are your, but what, what is it? Um, as president, I will immediately reduce the student loan payment for millions of Americans, ensuring that American government does not profit one cent from the educational loan servicing that students get the same interest rate as the wealthiest banks. Um, any profit that the government does real, um, any profit that the government does realize will go into reducing rates the following year until profit is zero. Exploring a blanket thing proposed 10 by 10 student loan emphasis uh, schools forgiven part or uh, the whole debt of those who do not graduate uh, initiate a program that allows uh, graduates to pay a percentage of income instead of just cut just cut student loans just cut it you the government does not fund your education anymore or it only funds it up to like X amount per year that's it right there like let's say 10 grand so yeah you'll walk out with 40 grand in debt but there's no way you can walk out with a hundred thousand dollars in debt because you're only getting four years of it or two years of it, you know, however it will be but you just need to cut it limit it or cut it Medicare for all <sighs> I mean how are you gonna pay for this look if you want a UBI you want a universal basic income or as uh, Mr. Yang puts it the freedom dividend which is a nice ring to it um but that's a joke you know let freedom ring free that yeah, was stupid anyways uh <laughs> medicare no cut welfare and cut medicare all that cut all that and then you'll have way more money to be spent for this um th th there shouldn't be a medicare for all what you need is to just cut a lot of the insurance stuff. There's plenty of doctors out there that just go by, um, you know, bringing in cash. You know, uh, getting a normal checkup costs fifty bucks. You're telling me someone doesn't can't get fifty bucks from a friend or whatever, walk in, pay cash like any other service in the world. I think that'd be way better, and it's way cheaper too. Especially you need a tooth removed, it'll cost a hundred bucks. You know, you'll, you'll make. It just works. You can look it up. The Stossel's done a report um, on it on YouTube. You can look him his thing up, and it works. It works really well. So I'm all for that, but I'm not for Medicaid for all. Expand access to medical experts. What does that even mean? 
Doctors still uh, serve a vital role in our healthcare system, but more basic visits and diagnoses are increasingly able to be carried out by individuals without full medical training using technology to assist their diagnosis. In one study, IBM's Watson, one of the world's fastest and smartest computers, made the same recommendation as a human doctor in 99% uh, percent of cases and actually diagnosed illnesses missed by human doctors in 30% of them. Similar technology could help monitor and manage chronic conditions such as obesity and diabetes while still referring more complex health issues to, to experienced doctors. We should enable a new class of primary care specialists or nurse um, practitioners to provide help to health care to patients in rural... Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Okay, that's what it means. Totally for that, then. You bring back a lot of the classifications for nurses and CNAs and things like that, so they can go help and put, uh, you know, medicine out to the people that need it. Then, yeah, go for it, totally. Um, support the revival of earmarks. All right, uh, earmarks have received a bad name in American politics. However, many experts believe that killing off the practice of earmarks um, has drastically increased the difficulty of getting legislation passed. In reality, our representatives in both the House and the Senate are there to represent and serve their local constituents. Those who have constituents that are more affected by a given piece of legislation are often faced with a binary yes or no decision. Earmarks allow another level of negotiation in the governing process. Those representatives can generate revenue for their area that might offset the negative impacts their constituents would face in the otherwise socially des uh, this, you know, a piece of legislation. You know what? I don't know what a uh, what an earmark is. So let me let me look that up real quick. An earmark. Uh, political earmark. Uh, earmark comes from the livestock term, where the ears of domestic animals were cut in specific ways so that the farmer can distinguish their stock from other grazing or public land. In particular, the term comes from the earmarked hogs where they uh, analogly, analogly, whatever, uh, pork-barreled legislation would be doled out among members of the political, I, yeah, I still don't get it, so I'm not going to put any, um, anything on this because I don't know uh, what that's supposed to mean. Make it easier for people to save for retirement? Yeah, totally for it. Make community college affordable for all? No. Nope. Not for it. Just cut it. No. You don't need to go to college. Vocational schools? Yeah. I have four people doing that for vocational schools. Um, but not for just some community college. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. All right. Free financial counseling for all? Yeah. Yep. Do it. Why not? Uh, you know, pay a bank a certain dividend or, you know, freedom dividend. Uh, just pay them a certain amount of money where they can go do that. Um, or, you know, you, you know, look, the problem is if you want to give everyone this freedom dividend, you're not going to be able to afford a huge amount of the stuff going on here. Uh, so either you give everyone the freedom dividend and all these other programs are, you can choose not to have the freedom dividend, but you can do all these other programs for free or you get the freedom dividend. I, you know, I don't know where it works out, but in, in sense, yeah, I would, it would be nice to have free counseling for finances. Life skill education in all high schools? Yes, completely agree. I'd never learned how to do anything. Life skills, taxes, never really learned anything about those in, in high school. You know what I learned about? I learned that uh, cellulitosis, I believe what it is, is when a cell explodes, when it dies. 
modernize military spending. Let's check that out. Uh, our soldiers are our bravest Americans. They blah, 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 blah. Today, loose nuclear material, um, cyber terrorism, information, other unconventional. Oh, okay. This is about making our military um, modern by like upgrading cybersecurity, make it a lot more online. Uh, sure. As long as you're not like totally screwing up everything, you just focus about internet things. As soon as someone drops an EMP, it's not going to matter anymore. Um, make it easier for Americans to move for work. What does that mean? Um, in order to help people move to areas with more jobs, federal government should subsidize the moving costs for Americans who are relocating for work. It should also work with state uh, licensure board, boards to uh, Leisure, leisure, leisure boards to increase the mobility of individual licenses. Um, no, nope, no. If you want to move somewhere to get a good job, move there. You're getting a freedom dividend, right? You can use that to move. I don't. You don't need the government to pay all your expenses to go find another another job. All right, not happening. Um, implement mandatory paid leave policies. Uh, yeah, again, that's just, it's a little, it's just a little iffy. I mean, what do you do if a company can't afford that? Big businesses can afford that, but a little mom and pop shop can't. But if all your other stuff kind of points to making everything more centered around a human capitalist system, how are you going to afford that? How, how is a business going to be able to afford that? You know, in the long run, they can't. So, no. Um, capital gained, carried interest tax, uh, ease the transition of self-driving vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, I want self-driving vehicles out there. Um, there still needs to be a human in there. But, yeah, I don't think they should be just totally on the road now. There needs to be uh, laws preventing it right now. Um, not that they can't be on the road, but just make it so that they're not just uh, pushed out there right away. But here's the thing. At trucking, that AI is not going to do anything with trucking for quite a while. You know, maybe in our lifetimes, trucking might become more of a, a job for that. But the reality is... These automated trucks cannot get into half the places even I had to get in. And I, had to, I just said D2 so I could drive up to like, you know, 30,000 pounds driving just a, a straight truck, you know, a real big, a really big box truck. Um, they, th these AIs can't get into half these places I've had to get into because you have to do a whole lot of figuring out and thinking and how to get it in, move things around. You can't just do it with those. So, yeah, ease the transition to self-driving vehicles. Capital gains carried tax. Um, capital gains carried incentive uh, interest currently re receive favorable treatment by the tax code. This privileges investors who over workers and promotes uh, speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now what I'm talking about. This is where like Warren Buffett pays himself just in his stock. Um, you know, just gives himself a huge. Uh, again, I'm saying dividend again. A big dividend of his stocks you know, every two weeks or a year or whatever it is, and then you can just cash those out, and then, you know, there'll be some taxes taken out when you cash those stocks in. But in general, you know, he's getting away without really paying anything and all these other taxes. But you can you can only get that if you're a huge dude investing a lot of stock. Otherwise, the little guy is not going to make any money from it because they're paying all the money to taxes. Um, file income taxes. Let's see. At the beginning of each year, Americans dread the coming of tax season, the, the specter of needing to figure out the complex rules of the tax code hangs over each of us for the first third of the year. Most of us rush during April to come under the deadline. 75% uh, of Americans receive refunds. For those Americans 
they've been essentially giving the U.S. government interest-free loan through most of the year. Uh, they'd be better off having access to that money at the time they earn it. For the other 25% of Americans, needing money to find to pay their tax balance adds unnecessary stress to their lives. After taxes are filed, many Americans then spend weeks dreading an audit, hoping the IRS doesn't randomly select them. That process itself can add costs to the tax process, as most people don't have the required expertise to deal with IRS auditors. This doesn't have to be the case. The IRS almost all the IRS has almost all the information they need to calculate your taxes within a fair degree of accuracy. They can do this automatically, guaranteeing that you hold on to more of your money through the year. Yep, okay. Fix the income tax thing. Get rid of it. That, that's how I think. Just get rid of income tax. Uh, financial transition tax. What is this? Financial, in order to raise revenue while also uh, stimulating some of the rampant speculation that can lead to financial collapse, a financial transaction transition tax should be levied on financial trades. Uh, this has been adopted by other countries and quite su quite successfully. Uh, so, propose a 0.1% financial transaction transaction tax that would raise as much as 50 billion dollars per year. That could be used to help fund universal basic income. Uh, sure. I don't really know. I mean, it has to do with the financial markets um, and dealing with bubbles and things, but. It, I don't think it would really affect me, but sure, why not? Uh, tort reform, reasonableness, dismal, what? The tort reform, reasonableness, reasonableness, dismissals, I don't, uh, our civil system influences our behavior in ways big and small because people are afraid they might be sued. Um, sometimes the mere idea of fighting a lawsuit is enough to terrify anyone from taking action that might be socially desirable, e.g. helping out a stranger in need, and we shouldn't have a legal system that discourages them. Justice always requires judgment, but often too, um, but, but we too often strip that from our judges. Nowhere is there more apparent than the ability to superior lawsuits to make it to trial. Judges should be able to dismiss any lawsuit it in during its initial stages purely for being unreasonable. There can be an appeal process, but the process should be one that's fought between the plaintiff and an appeals court, not between a plaintiff and the person being unreasonably sued. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that in action. American Mall Act. Uh, malls used to be a hub for socialization and commerce in American communities. Um, there where families would go shopping for school supplies before grabbing dinner and catching a movie. Teens would have their first job working retail there and spend their Friday nights with friends. A local mall has an, um, was an economic boon. Um, as e-commerce takes over a larger share of the retail market, many malls are closing down. 300 malls will close in the next four years and hundreds more will struggle uh, the win uh, and struggle. The windows sh uh, shuttered, the doors locked, the buildings abandoned. This sends a negative signal the economy uh, that this, the economy of the area is suffering. It also attracts criminal elements who can squat in vandalizing these empty buildings without much interest for the local law enforcement. These giant spaces need to be revitalized in order to spur investment in the local community and combat the suburban blight associated with doing uh, closing a mall. Okay, this is just finding uses for closed malls. That's what I would have just said, finding use for closed malls. Um... Entice high skill individuals, sure. 
zoning. Um, we need to make it easier for people to afford housing, either renting or buying uh, in more localities. In order to do this, we need to recognize homeowners in an area of gen uh, in an area generally have more power with local legislators and start taking the need of renters and those who would be interested in moving the area into account. Okay, sure. I don't really know how you're going to do that and how you think you're going to do it. You know, I, I'm all for those people that, uh, Yimbies, you know, yes, in my backyard, build an apartment complex, um, especially in San Francisco. You got NIMBYs who say, no, not not in my backyard for building all this stuff. So they shoot down these huge projects because they think it's going to destroy the economy or whatever. But the reality is you're just putting more homeless people. More people don't want to live in your area because you have nowhere for them to live. You know, there's huge sections of San Francisco that don't have skyscrapers. I mean, majority of it doesn't have skyscrapers. Everything's three, maybe four or five stories high because they don't want to build too much higher because they think it looks ugly and they're worried about shadows being cast on things so bull crap Crimea river you know um yeah i mean what are you supposed to do with that i don't know but definitely build more that's all i can say just build more um algorithmic trading and fraud uh investing in the market with computer generated algorithms has become a game identifying tiny market in inefficiencies and rank and wringing them of their value at the expense of other investors and the public. There is no real value in being generated, and it's increased the cost of retirees, pension funds, and businesses trying to manage their risks. We need to start enforcing trading rules in a technologically sophisticated way. Um, provide the CTFC with enough funding to properly investigate any suspicious trades algorithms. Create new team to find, to find financial crime and bring the perpetrators to justice. Uh, clean up the trading market for from improper algorithms sure but you can find it someone uh totally screwing the system up sure take them out i mean i'm not saying put a bolt in the back of their head but they're if they're, I, I think the bigger thing is when a company gives out huge pensions to thousands of workers and then just says no oh, we're not paying that anymore we're going bankrupt what do you do i think that's where the government needs to kind of step in at that point or hold, someone needs to be accountable that's the big issue. It's not about someone cheating the system and they make a whole bunch of pension money. It's about those companies that just walk away, making all the millions, if not billions of dollars. Um, all right, nuclear energy. Do it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Nuclear energy, relatively low impact. Uh, I'm not going to read this because, uh, yeah, um, yeah, we need nuclear energy. France runs on nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is the best form of energy there is. We. That's it. Just use nuclear energy. Modernizing voting. Um, Americans should be able to vote via their phone, mobile devices with verification done via blockchain. This would dramatically increase participation in elections, whether local, state, or federal. Um, if they can work out a blockchain for voting, that'd be very interesting. And I think it'd be for it. I think the big issue we're going to have is if you can't get a system that's set up correctly, you're going to have a bunch of people that are going to have multiple phones with multiple identities on it voting multiple times economic crime let's check this out um, instead of financial crimes instead uh, Wall Street investment firms uh, made billions of dollars off the subprime mortgages market uh, only to receive a bailout from the government while millions of Americans suffered through the Great Recession those who made the decisions that led to the crisis not only got off scot-free but also became rich off the spoils the criminal justice system looked the other way because there were no 
mechanisms to prosecute decision makers. Instead, financial crimes should be treated the same way as any other crime. Those perpetrating it should go to jail, and their punishment should reflect the amount of damage they've done to the economy and, um, and individuals they've defrauded. Yeah, totally for it. Yeah, totally on board with that. Um, making taxes fun. Okay. Currently paying taxes as slog. Instead, let's make it a celebration. Revenue day. The day taxes are due should be a federal holiday. The day should feature celebrations. Each American should be able to direct 1% of their taxes to a specific project during revenue day. These projects will be highlighted showing what exactly Americans' money will be able to accomplish during the previous year. Initial profiles of the next year's projects will also be announced so people can get excited for them. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally, you know, I'm totally for this. I'm totally for this one where it says it, right here. It says problems to be solved. Um, taxes are viewed as a burden instead of a contribution to our shared society. And that that's, that's the way I got a view of it. Every time I pay taxes, it's a contribution to the society. And, you know, yeah, sure. If you can create a federal tax day that, or a federal day for, you know, revenue day wherever you want to call it and it makes people realize that um they're giving back to the economy and they're giving back to other people that need help then yeah go for it as long as you're not just taking money to spend to test whether or not aloe vera juice is better than you know soy milk oh god that's so dumb um modern time banking all right well here, here's interesting before i click on that i think the modern time banking is going to address the fact that we still have the same computers from 1970 they're still running the banking system today and they work on shifts they're not 24 7 it's not like ibm's watson doing this it's that's all it is, is it's just like these big tape machines running like on huge cassettes that that's what it is and they need to get changed out they've been there for you know 50 years almost 40 years but they've been there for a long time, so let's check that out. Um, modern time banking, volunteering at a local community center, mentoring at-risk youth, starting a book club, helping your friend recover from drug addiction. These are many of the factors to create a positive social utility that are currently un, um, uncompensated. Enter the modern time banking. Volunteer activity and community engagement should be tracked by an app and seeded. Uh, initially by the government after the local administrator would oversee the program you could earn time earn time banking points through volunteering at a local shelter or things like that cheering a local student fixing neighbors appliances and range of other activities that make your community stronger we've seen the power of these rewards to drive behavior through online communities free sandwich punch cards and special statuses um, signing up for an account would allow you to track your running tally with an um an unspent total as noted above you could offer time banking points to neighbors for watering your plants or taking your mail in while you're away but there could also be specific promotions where you could trade in your points for special experiences such as tickets to the local ball game or a meeting with the government or a civic leader this sounds cool um for you know social cohesion how would you do it and then you'd have to, this would all have to be done on a smartphone. You know, is there a limit to how many you have per month, per day, per year? It's, it's just too vague for me to really get on board. It sounds cool. It kind of sounds like a uh, Twilight Zone episode. So I'm a little, 
a little, little, little bit about, a little iffy on it. So media fragmentation, outside of extreme cases of malicious uh, libel or the freedom of the press is um, inviolable. However, the fragmentation of our media is growing is a growing problem. Different communities are receiving their news exclusively through different channels, resulting in worldviews with differing facts that rarely overlap. We can't decide and share values uh, values because we don't agree on basic facts. Government should not meddle with the free press, but the government should support the major media and technological companies in finding solutions to the issue. After a Russian influence campaign affected the 2016 election, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media companies have started to investigate ways to uh, mitigate these issues. The government should not be supporting them in any way they deem appropriate, or should be. Um, no, nope, 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 nope. This is a bad idea. Bad idea. Totally bad idea. You can have the government supporting Facebook and Twitter, and eventually when you have the different regime in charge of the American government, they're going to start doing a bunch of things you don't agree with, but that they do, and it's going to screw up the whole system. All right, now we have uh, net neutrality, almost to the end. Uh, the repeal of net neutrality protections threat the free internet for all Americans. It is imperative that we protect the technologies that all Americans continue to enjoy unfettered and affordable access to the internet. Here's the real issue with net neutrality, okay? The fact that the FCC was able to just do that without presidential approval, without Congress approval, they are just totally change a law. How, how the internet works was the issue. I'm not even going to touch on net neutrality because I don't, I don't even get it. Half the time before it, other half the time I, I don't want it. Uh, it's it's just a cluster F in the end. Um, but, yeah, that's what needs to be addressed. The FCC having too much power that it can, you know, immediately uh, change all these things with communication acts. They shouldn't have the power to regulate it all the way without, um, like, a committee approving it. Um, regulate AI and other emerging technologies. Uh... Technological innovation shouldn't be stopped, but it should be monitored and analyzed to make sure we don't move past a point of no return. This will require cooperation between the government and private industry to ensure that developing uh, technologies can continue to improve their lives without destroying them. Um, the goal is to monitor the development, uh, monitor the development of new technology. Uh, more quickly adapt to the changing technology landscape. Prevent technology threats to humanity from developing within without oversight so uh yeah we're gonna stop the the terminator stop the terminator from showing up um cool but again policies like this uh adding regulation like this in general it sounds cool the the problem i see happening is that you're gonna run into a government again this is just you know change of regime that's how it works you get one person that uses these all for good the next person's gonna screw it all up they're going to come in and they're going to make it so that um, they're going to say, well, your new product isn't um, good for the American public, so we're going to confiscate it. What do you mean you're going to confiscate it? Well, we're going to confiscate it. So the government takes it. It's gone. And next thing you know, they have a new fighter jet with your technology you built. But you don't get any credit. It's the government's now. It's just like Nikola Tesla. When he died, all his stuff was confiscated by the federal government. You know, Some people claim he is a time machine. I don't know about that. But... Um, you know, he he definitely had a bunch of interesting tech that we don't have today. And the federal government has locked away in Area 51 or something. So I'm not I'm not trusting with regulating AI and these emerging technologies. All right, we are on the last one here. It has been two hours. Let's give it a go. 
This is robocalling text line. Robocalling has become somewhere between an irritation and harassment for million, millions of Americans. Companies have uh, determined that the cost of a robocall is zero, so even if a handful generates sales leads, they pay off. This has led to many of us turning out our phones and regarding people uh, tuning out. I'm sorry. This has led to many of us tuning out our phones and regarding people reaching out to us with suspicion as we pick up to hear an automated voice pitching us something we we don't need. Our attention is valuable, and companies that occupy it should be improving our lives. They're simply wasting our time. Um, our time. There. There. Our time. There needs to be a comma there. There. If they're simply wasting our time, comma. There needs to be something. Uh, dis or deterrent in place for it. As president, I will initiate a robocall text line. If you receive a robocall that you feel was a waste of your time, simply forward the number that called you to the robocall investigation line, 1-800-ROBOCALL. FCC will follow up with the company that called you. If the FCC receives numerous complaints about a particular call company, they'll issue significant fines. This will quickly discourage companies from... Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. All for it. Yeah, let's do it. Oh boy, I need to drink water. Uh, that was a lot of jumping around. So, but we have managed to go through every single one of Andrew Yang's policies. Um, now it's up to you if you want to make your decision if you want to go with the Yang gang. I'm still very interested about uh, what all of this is and what he means by all this, but. I am a little dubious about some of the other factors. I mean, a big part of it is, yes, he's running under a Democrat. I'm a little worried that they're going to twist and morph all these things just so they can get uh, free money and uh, new voters for their parties. You know, I, I, I want someone to go in, into politics because they truly have a feeling that they want to help society. That they see the downtrodden, they see the rich, and they see them both as just Americans. And they go up to help them equally. And because life starts us off equally, we all need to start from an equal point. You know, where we end, that's up to us. But where we start should be equal. We shouldn't all have to be super rich and we shouldn't all have to be super poor. But that's the way some people want it. You know, I'd rather this all just start off at a good middle. So not everyone, not everyone has to do this pull you up by the bootstraps. But if you give that situation, it's because of personal choices you and your family has made. We need someone that is not a career politician that get into office to help people, to make society better, to see the issues we face. That's what we need. But when, you have, when we have people come into politics and decide just to follow dumb rules that their party decides for them that's where the issue stems from that's when you have presidents that don't follow their word or after they finish their campaign they're no longer fulfilling their promises or their promises are you know half-assed or not like a quarter-hearted not even half-hearted it's like if trump said oh we're gonna build a border wall but instead they just put down like a parking like a jersey barrier you know, you know, one of those parking barriers. They just put that across the whole um, southern border. Well, I mean, yeah, he did something, but I wasn't even half-hearted. Probably cost him nothing to do that. 
I didn't try. Because, oh, but I've got a wall. It's a big wall. That would suck. Because you didn't live to your promise that you promised the American people, the people that voted for you, whether you like them or not. That's where the issue comes into. So you need someone. That if Mr. Yang is the person here, then 2020, if he makes it through the primaries, and he's living up to the things that he said he's going to do, they say give him a chance. I, I just, I, I just, or as of right now, I can't vote for him because of the Democrat Party. If he could somehow not run under the Democrats, he would most likely have a lot more of my vote than anyone else. But that's all up to you and what you think. I know this episode has been a little bit uh, different than the last two, but it's not always bad to jump around and switch it up. But nonetheless, thank you guys for listening to my podcast today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, it was interesting. A lot of talking. My throat's a little sore now. So I'll let you guys go. I will see you next week.